Welcome to Life in the Cloud, the official podcast of Tuple Technologies. Join us each week to hear from experts in cloud migration and IT management as we talk about the latest technologies and trends in cloud and other exciting new developments in tech. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life in the Cloud. I'm your host, Chris Reddy, and today I'm joined by Nate Siswanto from Rippling. Nate, thanks for being here. Can you start us out by giving an introduction of yourself, who you are, where you're from, and how you got to Rippling? Yeah. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Like Chris mentioned, my name is Nate. I am based out in Los Angeles. I currently work for Rippling as a manager of the SMB implementation team. Yeah, I've been here for a year and six months. Nice, nice. Tell us a little bit about Rippling itself. What does the company do? Yeah, Rippling is a human resource management platform where companies can manage employees' payroll, benefits, devices, and apps. We do a lot of other things that are employee-related, but that's really our core offering. Okay, so human resources platform, more or less. Nice. Yeah, I, nice. I think a good example of it is if you're familiar with like ADP, QuickBooks Online, those are the most traditional payroll vendors. And they really do one or two things, like probably employee management and payroll, where Rippling does a lot more. We do essentially everything that touches employees. And so we're like that all-in-one system that integrates with, you know, our internal products and then also any third-party integrations that work with us. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like an all-in-one HR management software? Yeah. Perfect. More or less? Yeah. Cool. Cool. And then who are your guys' typical customers? I would imagine more or less any company. Yeah. You know, In the beginning, when the company started, I think we were really focused on bringing tech customers into the fold. But over time, you know, really our product is used by all different companies, whether it's a small mom and pop business or a medium to large business or a major tech company. You know, I think most of our customers are a little bit on the SMB to mid-market size, but sometimes we get some of the bigger customers. Mm -hmm. I see. So I want to know a little bit more about the history of the company. I guess the question I would ask is, well, first, what can you tell us about like the founding of the company? How long has the company been around? Why did the founders found the company? Yeah, really great question. So Rippling was founded back in 2016 by Parker Conrad and Prasanna Sankar. And so if you guys have heard about Parker, he had actually started another company called Zenefits. And after he left that company, he and Prasanna reflected on what they wanted to do next. And essentially their sentiment was, you know, that they had some unfinished business and they felt like the work that they had done wasn't complete. And so they started reflecting on what was happening in the industry and you know what they could do next and so they're like hey zenefits was really great but you know there's so much more that we can do and so they spun up rippling and they started thinking of like 
all the things that they wanted to do better and that they didn't get to do. And so that's really how Rippling came about. And so with that being said, I'll give you a little bit more background of just like where we're at. You know, when I joined the company back in 2019, I think we were right around like 200, 300 employees. And we're really focused on just growing. You know, we've seen tremendous growth in the last year. And so we're like right around 500 people. And so going crazy. And with that being said, we're hiring, we're looking to build at scale. We're trying to build more features to meet our customers' needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that all makes sense. I like that story, the founding story. The founders had unfinished business, so to say, at a previous company and wanted to start rippling in order to, you know, deliver the gaps that they saw, more or less. That's cool. That's cool. Nate, tell us more about what exactly you do at Rippling. Yeah, Chris, I really focus on managing our implementation managers. And so what that means is right after our sales team closes a deal, our team interacts with our customers to really bring them onto our platform to make sure they integrate the different products that they've purchased and make sure all their information is working correctly. So depending whatever product they've purchased, whether it's payroll, insurance, device management, access management, we really work with them through that process. And so our implementation managers, you know, will work on an implementation for anywhere from four to 12 weeks depending on the size of the customer. And so that has been my focus. You know, I transitioned into this management role back in February, and most of my day is coaching our individuals, working with other teams to make sure we are growing at scale, and doing a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, which probably doesn't really get appreciated, but is really fun for me. That's cool. Tell us a bit more about what those implementations are like, because I know that's often, uh, at least from my experience, that can be an, maybe an overlooked part of business. There's a lot of emphasis on the sale, you know, closing the deal, all that stuff. Then uh, you call the customer a year later to see if they want to renew, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, in-between stuff that needs to happen to make sure the customer is happy with the product that they are optimizing the product, that they know how to optimize the product, and so on. So tell us a bit more detail about what an implementation is like. What kind of uh, challenges arise during an implementation? The one thing that I have to say about implementation is as much as you build processes in, none of them are the same. And so what you think might be the same type of customer is not the same. So let me give you an example of it. It's like when we sign two similar customers, one customer might be really familiar with how to use an HR system and the other one might not know anything because they just like spun up the business. And so they're going to be asking so many different questions than the other person. And instead of it being a similar implementation, it becomes an implementation that is a little bit more drawn out because they need more handholding. And so 
that is really what I say, like implementations are unique depending on the customer, depending on their background, depending on their needs. Our team really comes in to work with them through that process. And so when we work, like, for example, with a customer who purchase payroll, you know, one of the things is making sure that we import the right information into the system, make sure that it gets audited and goes through the right processes in order to run payroll. Like that can be very simple or very complicated depending where they're coming from. And so our team really works with the customer to ensure that goes smoothly. And with that being said, it doesn't always go smoothly. There's always hiccups, things that you're like, well, I wasn't expecting that. And I think that's the fun part of implementations. You know, you can always build out a process, but it is never what it might seem like. And so if you're the type of person who likes problem solving and working with customers, it's a really great role. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've been in this role for about three plus years. Yeah, yeah. It seems like every implementation is different based on you know who the client is, what they know about Rippling, what they don't know about Rippling, what their needs are, and so on. I'm sure that keeps it exciting for you. Every implementation is different. And like you said, as many processes as you try and put in place to standardize everything, it has to be tailored in every implementation. What sort of problems typically arise in implementations? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the things that I really see often is, you know, alignment between the sales process and the implementation process. I think sometimes because we are human, what might get communicated is not always what is understood. And so with that being said, when the implementation team gets a deal, there tends to be hiccups along the way, whether the customer wasn't listening during the sales process, or maybe the salesperson didn't communicate something, or you know, it might have been on our side where we forgot to give the information ahead of time and set expectations. So I think like that is one major issue that I see often. Another thing is just, you know, people are busy and sometimes like there's not a lot of focus on implementations. You know, some people think it's a super easy process and it's very hands off. And as much as I wish that was always the case, it's not that seamless. You know, how I think of implementations is it's the building blocks of making sure the house is foundationally safe. And then once that's set up, you can really benefit from all the features that the house has. And so that's kind of how I think of implementations. We're really focused on building the foundation. And then afterwards, you can use all the features and benefits that the house has. Yeah, I do like that analogy. It definitely makes sense. I hear, you know, quite frequently, a software is sold to another company. And it doesn't end up completely working for the buyer as much as they thought it should, as much as they expected it to, or for a number of reasons, you know, the relationship can go south. 
And, you know, there are a number of reasons that can happen. It could be something the sales rep said, that feature doesn't actually exist yet, or maybe the client misunderstood when they said something. And then, of course, I like how here we're highlighting the implementation beyond the sale, the actual implementation of the software. And that's also a big one. I know there's been quite a few situations that I've either have been in or I know closely of where the software is sold and then the implementation isn't really carried out or the executives meet to sell the software and buy the software and then they just kind of pass it off to their engineers <laughs> and the engineers don't really know what to do with it or they didn't even know it was coming or it turns out they don't actually like the software. Yeah, there's all kinds of those alignment issues, to use your word again, that can occur in these naturally complex transactions and the implementation of them. Speaking of that alignment, you mentioned alignment particularly between the sales team, the sales process, and the uh, implementation folks. How could that alignment be improved, do you think? Because I think that's a bigger problem than a lot of people might think. Even at my company, there have been times where I always try and think of, you know, what's not aligned between everyone on the team. And it's hard to like come up with, you know, figuring out what you don't know. But it's like one of those problems. But I'd like to hear what, what your kind of feedback or advice is to a sales team and an implementation team about what kind of things could be done better or fixed in terms of the alignment. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting like problem to think about. And, you know, I've been at a lot of different companies doing implementation and not every company has this down. I think one of the things that I really appreciate about Rippling is probably the key thing that most companies just don't have is an open communication line just between the leadership team on the sales team and then the leadership on the implementation team. And so like, I think similar to the sales talking to the customers about how the product works, it comes down to expectations, right? If we're both on the same page, like sales and implementation, about how the processes work, about what we talk about, if we're able to set those expectations accordingly and be on the same page about it, it makes things easier. But because we're, you know, human and will make mistakes. I think one of the things that really makes the difference is being able to work with your counterpart and be able to share like, hey, this went really well, this didn't, you know, we need to iterate because our technology is changing, our customers changing, things are changing. I think one of the things that I've realized recently is like, Building at scale is really hard. And so the same processes that we had, you know, six months ago is not the same now. And so like what we've been communicating works, but there's been some hiccups. And so there's some things that we can change. And so we're kind of going through this right now because it's part of the growing pains. And I really work with our sales team to communicate like, hey, these are the things that we should change. These are the things that we probably shouldn't touch. And I think I also try to take in their feedback of like, well, you know, like we should have done this differently, or I think this might be better. And I might not always agree with it just because there is some additional information in the background that they might not be privy to. And so I think just 
trying to have an open communication is probably the biggest thing that comes to mind and iterating the process over and over. I think at the end of the day, if you come to the problem without egos and wanting to make your workplace and making sure that your employees are better, like that hopefully should resolve those issues. To be honest, like I think I'm still figuring it out and trying to really figure out what is the best process. So it's really been an iterative process for me. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Even on that last thing you said, when you're trying to figure out what is like the blueprint, I think it, what we were discussing earlier, how every implementation is different. Maybe there is no blueprint. Or if we were to create a blueprint, it, there would be so many variables. It's like a useless blueprint or like a useless plan. It's just so unlikely that it actually follows the plan. What do you think of that? Would you agree with that? Oh, I say yes to some degree. I think what tends to happen at earlier companies who build out an implementation team, it's kind of just a catch-all. You know, we're just trying to build and scale and really just trying to fit what makes the most sense. But I think as you grow, like that solution doesn't work. And so you become more segmented and you focus on like each of the different verticals and really hone in on that process, you know. And I think that's hard because that requires a lot of hindsight and insight, which I think unless you go through it yourself, it doesn't click. And so it just takes time. You know, I think one thing that I do want to mention that makes implementations hard is a lot of different teams don't understand or know what happens in implementation, you know? And so with that being said, this huge disconnect of like what happens in this implementation bubble. And I think a lot of people have their assumptions and that goes the same way for like the implementation team has assumptions about how sales is done, support is done, and how the customer success team is working and operating. So I think the best thing at the end of the day is like communication, trying to understand where people are coming from and like understanding their processes and how can you integrate and work with them. Yeah, yeah, I think that's well said. I think what I've gained out of maybe the past 15, 20 minutes of discussing implementation with you, it seems like it really does come down to communication and alignment between all the parties. And there's a lot of parties involved, you know, the buyer, the seller, the sales team, the engineers, and so on. And having all those parties aligned is quite a challenge. And it probably doesn't happen perfectly very often, if ever, uh, perfectly. But yeah, I think the takeaway Correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe the takeaway is, is setting the right expectations, aligning all the parties, and continually communicating, and uh, just continuing to work towards getting the uh, implementation completed. Yeah, I would say at the core, those are the things that I would focus on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Hmm, that's cool. I like that as a summary of implementation. Nate, I want to move on a little bit, maybe back to the company Rippling. What's in the future for Rippling? What are the grand plans? You know, maybe what's in the future for the industry of HR softwares? 
Yeah. From my perspective, how I see things going is that there are still so many businesses out there that are not on Rippling and are probably using a more traditional software. So we're really trying to make sure that we build more features to support those customers who have been on a vendor for like five plus years or even more. And so I think that's like one of our biggest goals that we're working on. Another thing is growing at scale. You know, since we had tremendous growth over the last year, we're trying to figure out how to recruit people, get them onboarded, and for them to be unified. And I think that's really hard. I think I've been at fast-growing startups, but never to the point where I'm seeing this rocket ship growth at this scale. And so at least on my team, you know, one of the things that I'm like trying to learn is like, how do you make sure that everybody is aware of the information that you need them to be successful at their job? And so that goes into all the other teams, like our engineering team, our product team, our sales team, our customer support team, like each person has their own domain and has so many responsibilities. And for the people who have been here longer, it's easier to just consume more information. But, you know, for a person who is starting off and just is getting their feet wet, it's overwhelming. And I think I struggle, you know, really empathizing and sitting in their shoes because I had a much different experience when I first joined. So I think really like our company is trying to make sure that no one feels siloed, especially since remote work is a thing now. And, you know, in order to grow and have talent, you kind of have to consider that. So yeah, just to summarize, I think growing at scale, hiring new folks, and building more features to support our customer needs. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I should have asked you this earlier when uh, I was asking about an intro of Rippling. Being that Rippling is, a, you know, an HR software, and there are a lot of HR software companies out there, like ADP and a, a whole host of them. I guess to cut to the chase, how is Rippling's software better than all of those other ones? Or how is it different? So, yeah, I think usually how... I pitch this is that Rippling is a modern HR software system. And probably one of the differences that we're interconnected to everything. And so that being said, you know, typically if you're at a medium sized company, you might have like a payroll system, a benefit system, and a device management system. And all those systems don't interconnect with each other. And so when you hire a new person, you have to add them into those three different systems. Where in Rippling, you just need to add them once and everything is connected. And so on the operational side, it saves 
a lot of time. And then one other thing that I like to highlight, there's less room for human error because instead of three different folks managing that employee information, it's only done by one person in one place. And so for whoever manages, you know, the benefits or the device management piece, like their respective counterparts can just use that central information that has been entered into the system. So I think that's the part that makes us really unique. And I think we build a lot of integrations. You know, there are so many things to make employee management or the employee experience better. And so we really take that into account. I think one thing that I want to give a little bit picture and something that's really cool about our product is payroll. I think for most people, payroll is boring and bland, but you know, it's such an a core important piece. You know, let's say one of your salespeople has to fly out to the East Coast for a deal. They have to book a trip. They have to book an Uber or a Lyft to get to that place. They have to purchase meals, etc. There's a lot of expenses. And typically what happens is that those expenses go into like an expense management system. And then whoever manages that kind of takes that information and has to bring it into payroll. But how Rippling is unique is that we'll integrate with that expense system. And so when that person enters that expense into the system, and once it's been approved, it goes into payroll. So less error, less work, and it's more of a seamless experience. I think at some of my other companies, like it took anywhere from a month to two months to be reimbursed. And from an employee experience, you know, like if I had taken a trip, it is most likely thousands of dollars. And so, you know, that cost is looming for that employee. For the company, it's probably not really a big deal. But for that employee, it's like, you don't know what their cash flow is like. You don't know what their circumstances. And so having these simple integrations goes a long way. And we do a similar things and even more in-depth integrations, but that's just like one really simple thing that we can do in our system. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Thanks for going into the detail on the software itself. Nate, I, I want to wrap up with one final question. Is, is there anything else that you'd like to mention or anything that I did not ask that you wish I asked? I don't think so. I think we covered a lot of different things. I think the one thing that I do want to say is just specifically about implementations. You know, if you are a person looking to get into tech and you've probably come from the project management world, this is like a really great way to pivot into tech as an implementation manager. It's going to grow you. It's going to challenge you. It's going to be a fun role to just figure out who you are as a person. And I think you don't really get that in a lot of roles. So that's just something that came to me recently. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is quite interesting. I, I like how you summarized like how it is working in, in implementation. And it definitely makes sense. It seems like it has the client-facing aspect to it. It's a lot of project management. It seems like you have to be pretty well-rounded to work in it. It's a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I like to say it's like the jack of all trades. Hmm. And so for a person who wants to go like deeper into tech, it gives you a lot of opportunities. I've seen some implementation managers, you know, like focus on data analytics or go into product or even do like uh, marketing. There's so many things because you get a touch and you get to work so cross-functionally with so many departments. So I really love it. It's been a joy to do it over the last few years. And, you know, if anybody who is really considering tech, it's a really great place to start. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think you use the right phrase, the jack of all trades. You have to do a little bit of everything. And then later in your career, if you want to specialize in something, you definitely have some experience in it so you could progress and uh, progress as you like. That's awesome. Well, Nate, thank you so much for being on the show. I learned a lot. I know the audience has learned a lot. Any last words? Anything else you want to cover? I think that's all. Chris, I just want to say thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And hopefully people can grab some insight from this or just learn a bit more about implementation. Definitely, definitely. Thank you so much, Nate. Bye, Chris. We hope you found some value in this episode of Life in the Cloud. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. You can continue the conversation with us on LinkedIn by tagging Chris Reddy, at Chris-Reddy. That's at K-R-I-S-R-E-D-D-Y in a comment or by sending a direct message. We look forward to hearing from you.